Sue Savage. And I'm Claudia F. Savage. And we're Thick in the Throat Honey. The podcast where parent artists share how to fit art making into their already full lives. Inspirational quickies in under 30 minutes. It's all gonna fall apart if the earthquake happens. No. You mean the tsunami? The tsunami zone constantly? Yeah. Yeah, That's horrifying. Mm -hmm. It just is. Yeah. I was like, you know, I I think about that all the time at this house. I'm kind of like, you know. The tsunami. I think about the tsunami. I can't help it. I'm always, I'm always, I'm always like, what was it that somebody? Well, it reaches Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs) I interviewed. I interviewed. Okay. I. Oh, sorry. Well, that's the caldera explosion in uh, Yellowstone. Well, yeah, that's true. That one's. Well, that guy's we're all all gone anyway. So who cares? At that point, whatever. So we're we're rolling whenever we want to start. Oh, I I love it. I just decided to do it this time. John, just this is how he rolls. So um, sneakily, this is good. Can you hear me? Oh, everyone can be heard. Really? Yeah. Even though okay, because you know I want to make sure. I actually, you could, you could probably sit back a little bit. I could sit back outside the big mouth. Okay. (laughs) Is this one going on the podcast? Me and my big queen's mouth. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. I didn't catch where you were from, Josh. Oh, um, well. I was born in England, okay. um, and uh, I was there till I was three, and then moved to Southern Mississippi, down in Hattiesburg for a while, um, and then my mom got into the Air Force, and moved us to Colorado, New York, and Texas. Oh, okay. He's military brat. I Should we see. not say that? Is that like bad to oh, say no, that? No, no, that's, that's the term. Was, was that Sorry. one of the reasons you joined the service? It, because of your... No, I always said kind of like the truck. I was like, I'm never going to do this. Like, I'm, I'm never going to get a truck. I'm never, ever going to join the military. Are you kidding me? Make me cut my hair. And, uh, which was not ever going to happen either. Um, but then, uh, then the Iraq war happened. Um, and I had been in like all these anti-war protests and everything yeah. leading up to the war. Um, I'd written letters to everybody that I could think of telling them why it's a bad idea, like don't go to war in Iraq. Um, and I even got some nice letters back here and there, but wow. they were all pretty dismissive. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they were like, thank you for your concern, you know. You college been, punk. I know, exactly. <laughs> and, and you studied, uh, you, you were an anthropology. I was, and I'd done some like Middle Eastern studies, studies yeah. and I was just like, so you knew yeah. the story. Yeah. Or part of the story. Part of it. Good and I was like, and also, like, the they have, you know, there's, you know, Americans forget what happened last week, you know, in the news cycle or whatever, but over there, there's like this generational memory. Yeah. So like something that happens to one person's mm-hmm. great grandfather, yes. they, it's like it happened to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're going to, and they're going to go, I'm part Lebanese, so I understand. Like forever. the Civil War, it's like, you know, forever, like you remember that mm-hmm. somebody, yes. yes. And it's so, sort of like the South here, actually. It is, Think right? It. It, it kind of is. <laughs> You're right. You know? I was like, so this is a bad idea. And uh, and then we went anyway. So yeah. um, I decided to, uh, I had friends joining who uh, were sort of like, we're going to blow stuff up. Yeah. And I just didn't want that to be the only type of people in the military. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to join to try to be this like positive influence within this. Like, it's the problem of an all-volunteer military. Like, yes. not that that's a bad thing. But you tend to get a single mindset sort of person in there. And when that happens, like that's a pretty big machine. And once it gets rolling, you know, there can be a lot of problems and it goes all the way up. And so um, I, I just thought like if more people would just 
who were kind of against all this stuff mm-hmm. were in it too, then maybe they're not that I was going to change anything, right? Right. But I could be a positive influence in a in a bigger system, and and I think I was, but it was like the hardest five years of my life <laughs> and I was so glad to be done with it um, but yeah so that's why I originally joined was just sort of like yeah. to, I tried from the outside nothing changed I figured I'd try from the inside and see if anything else was different I just that's, had that's fabulous what do you know? think of I'm just I'm just curious because this is something Claudia and I were talking about and I think of all the time is that we don't have in the United States, any kind of mandatory, either military or civil service. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what you think of that in terms of, I don't know, just how that would affect our country for the good or for the worse. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've thought about it a lot, and, yeah. and I'm torn on it. Yeah. Honestly, um, I think um, some sort. Well, to answer your question directly, would it be good for the country? I think absolutely to have a year of some sort of civil service. It doesn't have to be military, but right. like some sort of service to the country, Peace Corps sort of Americorps, thing, AmeriCorps, yeah. <clears throat> you yeah. know, that would be cool. And I think it would overall um, benefit the country, yes. I, 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 both for the people doing their, you know, whatever training you have to do and those things. And, um, and, it, and it, it puts everybody like to have... And I don't even like this term, but like it gives them a little skin in the game, sort of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's now, you know, when you've done something to be a part of yes. our government <clears throat> or our country, mm-hmm. you, you feel a certain amount of ownership of it, I suppose. And um, so in that way, I think it would be a good thing. But I'm also like completely, I, I don't, I'm not okay <laughs> just saying like, you got to do this, you know, uh, like yeah. I can imagine them telling me at 18, you know. Hey, you're gonna to have to do this thing. I'd be like, why? Yeah, I try yeah. imagining that myself, and I, I, I can't, you know, signed up for the selective service and all. But, but if you had time, generations of people you know. who like gave back to the community, which we do, I mean, people do. True. Yeah. I mean, I think this is this is an interesting question anyway from a progressive progressive side because I find that I have so many friends who have served in the military and or have gone to the Peace Corps, like or mm-hmm. done AmeriCorps, like something like that. Like mm-hmm. almost all of us. I worked in Appalachia for years, and I just kind of. This is where you kind of go, well, what, how did that change you? Like, how do you feel? And if nothing else, it just changed how you view other humans. Although Absolutely. I will have to say that even more than that, when you have a child, that changes how you view other people, yes, right? It does. Um, yes, it and, totally and, does. And that's, that's my lead-in. So um, we're Thick of the Third, honey. Hi, thanks for joining us. I'm Claudia F. Savage, and... I'm John C. Savage. Yeah, and, and we're here we with have... Josh Gaines. Hi. The wonderful poet and publisher of Thought Crime Press. And, um, you know, we didn't even plan on this, Josh. And, and Josh has a couple books out. And we're going to have all his wonderful bio stuff on our uh, blog and on our podcast. We'll have everything up there for you. Um, but uh, I saw Josh perform his poetry, and I was like... He has a kid. He left the military to raise his daughter. We're going to have him on our podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. I like it. Um, and I, but I do think that, um, you know, uh, it's interesting because I feel like there's some kismet here because you just put out an anthology. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. The anthology you just put out? Yes. Um, I can. This is timely. <laughs> it's very yeah. timely. I didn't, this, I didn't this plan week. it this way, Josh. Yeah, I was going to have you yeah. on anyway. It had nothing to do with that, but it was just like, woo. I was so excited. So I made this anthology, <laughs> and it's called Not My President, which um, is a phrase that I first heard um, with the Tea Party uh, protesting uh, the election of Barack Obama. Yeah. And 
that was, and I just remember the reaction to that just in general was pretty, there was a lot of feelings when it came to that term. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I found a website, notmypresident.com, and that was the big anti-Obama website. Mm -hmm. It had been up for a long time. So when I was looking for a title for this thing, I was sort of like repurposing in a way, you know? Um, I wasn't, and I I was never saying like, he's not the president, you know? It's sort of like, um, I, I have some pretty right, far right friends uh, who have, of course, been like attacked me for this this book, this title, without That's even funny. looking at it, you know. Right. And and I, and I said, you know, it's sort of like, say you were, you know, living in Denver, right, and you love the um, the Broncos, yeah. and those, that was your team, right? That was your team, and then you moved. Which I, I don't like the Broncos, by the way. <laughs> okay, my brother didn't either, and he was in Colorado forever. Yeah. <laughs> but then you move down to Texas, and now, like, you know, there's the Cowboys, and, right. and then your friends come to visit, and they're like, hey, how's your team going? And and you're like, well, well who do you mean? They're like, well, the Cowboys. And you're like, no, that's not my team. Uh-huh. That's not my team. My right. team is the Broncos. Right. And it's the same sort of thing. Like, it, it's not it's not my president. Like, you know, there's no, I'm not being represented yes. by that. And that, that's basically what I was saying with it all. Um, but yeah, so I started this. I like the nuance. Thanks. I actually like the nuance. And, it, and it's a good reminder that that was purposed under when Obama was president because yeah. people are using it, have been using it now. And I wonder how many people realize, because our memories are so short in this right. country politically, of where the yeah. phrase came from. I mean, right. I, I forgot myself, actually. Yeah. 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 yeah so, so, you know, and then... Uh, it was an idea I had in, in April. April, um, I'd been going to a bunch of the protests and uh, was trying to figure out how, like, how I could amplify voices, amplify, you know, not mine, um, but just the, the people around me. Yeah. Um, I'd never done an anthology before, uh, but I decided to, to give this a shot. I was like, it'll take me a month, maybe two. Oh, so that was April. <laughs> Oh my I was gosh. like, we're going to release it July 4th. It'll be all meaningful. <laughs> and uh, so it came out um, the end of December. No, beginning of January. Oh my God. <laughs> that still is pretty good, honestly. I have worked nonstop. Oh, Josh, sure. it's horrible. Yeah. That's, that's been my life since April. Um, we got hundreds and hundreds of submissions, thousands of pages to read. Oh, my gosh. And... And I read them all, like, and I read them all multiple times. Did you do it all your, yourself? And... I had my friend um, Ben Clark help me read um, some of the initial yeah. ones, um, but other than that, yes, like everything. Wow! And so it was because it, it became something that I got really attached to, too, and I right. wanted it to be really, really good. Right. Um, and. So, you know, I read each piece, tried to find oh anything gosh. for the person. Like, the person who wrote it was as important as what they're writing. Um, each bio has its own page, you know, specifically to, like, set that person apart. Their work, this person, it's not stuck in the back anywhere. It's, like, right by their work. Like, this person, that's this so, work. That's so powerful, too, because if you think about it, this is part of, I think, what the problem has been with the dissent in general and just from the from like a right wing and a left wing, like all these sorts of things where you feel like everyone's just mushed into a big pile and you don't like see who the individual people are that are having issues with i mean especially if you're i'm just going to say it we live in portland okay i right. mean when i lived mm-hmm. in colorado 
I had people up the road from me who were incredibly conservative people and I would have them over for dinner and we would have arguments. And that was really, I think, really helpful because it became this thing where we were still respectful. We were at each other's table. We were having a meal. We would laugh a lot. Um, But I also felt like they could listen because we saw each other as human beings across right. the table as individuals. So that's Absolutely. powerful that you did that. Yeah, as opposed to the assumption that everybody <clears throat> thinks like you. Right. Exactly. Or that it isn't even nuanced that there's a script, uh, you know. Yes. Uh, how we exactly. feel about yeah. all of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is... It's, it's different. We're all yeah. different. Right. <laughs> like, it, it's true. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm much more center than a lot of my friends. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not right, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I was trying to, but it was more of a collection of voices was Mm -hmm. the goal. Um, I wanted, as opposed to like looking for the things that were always like the very best written pieces. Um, you know, if, if I got, um, say three pieces from 18 year old high school girls from, I don't know, a certain area of the country or whatever you know like this there and they're all saying something kind of similar right mm-hmm. so there there's like this voice is being represented by these three pieces i, I would pick say the one that was i thought was the best of them right. you know but if all three of them weren't like polished and perfectly written or whatever i'm still going to pick one of them because that voice is so important mm-hmm. um and then working with then i work with them too and did you know of how to like you know, just throwing them some suggestions, you know, how they want to be represented and things like right. that. But uh, but definitely um, just trying to bring these voices together. And I ended up with people like, you know, I have over a dozen state poet laureates in there. I got like wow. uh, Andrew Solomon, Gary Steingart's in there. Wow. Like, like some big names. And then I also have like these high school kids. I have uh, one person who had to write under a pseudonym because her parents are legal here. And she mm-hmm. doesn't want them to get deported. Yes. You know, it's a, a real thing. Yes. You know? um, so, and I get to put them all together and I get to organize them in ways like that creates each section sort of has its own kind of narrative, mm-hmm. like an, a, a narrative that I sort of found in it all in a way it all sort of. I don't know, it's all really no, deliberate, so you, so but you it got took to a be a writer, time. right? Like this in is the way, thing. Being yeah. an editor, it's sort of like you're you're translating, you're able to like create something new. That's yes. beautiful. And I loved it. Uh, <laughs> and you're gonna do lots more anthologies, but later. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't think I'm ever gonna do another anthology. But you know, there's a lot of things I do that I say I'm never gonna do. So I don't know. Yeah. I might. Yeah. I've heard uh, a lot of parents talk about uh, what you know over the years, like what is the first president their son or daughter will yeah. remember. Oh, yeah. Like, really, I, I have a vivid memory um, of my grandparents took care of me a lot when I was little, of being in their house when Carter was being inaugurated. Oh, wow. And, but then Reagan was really the president I, He's the one I, remember. I remember most. <clears throat> and so, not only... Uh, your daughter's how old? She's eight. She's eight, yeah. So... Does she? Uh, I was thinking. Well, then she must remember Obama. She remembers Obama. Um, in fact, she was, and we didn't know it yet. She was uh, in utero during his <laughs> inauguration. We went to the, his first inauguration in D.C. Okay. Wow. And we're there freezing cold and everything, but uh, and found out that uh, Anna was pregnant. Like I don't know, two weeks later. That's oh wow! Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but now I mean, you've compiled a book 
on Trump. So she's going to have a very strong memory, probably. And she can always refer to it and see what was going on. That's totally true. (laughs) That's true. You know, and uh, we talk about it. You know, my parents didn't talk politics Uh much um, with me. Uh, Maybe partially because... Well, my mom was in the Air Force, too. Right. Yeah, there's only so much you can say about the Commander-in-Chief yes. when you're in it, you know? Right. Um, so maybe that's why, I don't know, but, but I didn't, I had no idea who they liked or voted for anything. Really? Ever. That's really interesting, because you know. all I remember as a child, then again, I, you know, I had New Yorkers as parents. They, all they did was argue. They would have their friends over. They would throw dishes at each other. I mean, it was just well, funny. <laughs> and they knew, they knew foreign correspondence. Yeah, my dad, my dad was very... His, his oldest and dearest friend was somebody who had won the Pulitzer for the New York Times as a foreign correspondent. and awesome. um, uh, Bill Farrell. And uh, God, that man terrified me. You know, foreign correspondents are really scary people. <laughs> Those guys who like being, like being in war zones, like, yeah. they're kind of terrifying. Um but I remember that, yeah, as a result of that, like a lot of parties where these foreign correspondents would come over and um, they would all argue about politics. Um, and I cannot remember the name of the man who wrote the piece for um, the Killing Fields uh, for Cambodia, but I met the man who had escaped when I was very little at a party. And I, I distinctly remember, I feel so bad that I can't remember his name now, but you know, I was really little. Um, but I remember him like looking at the spread of food that one of the, the women had put out and being like, whoa, like he'd been starving for so long. It was, just, it was horrendous. And, and just, but I have a very clear memory of like, like war was, that's an awesome memory was, yeah, was happening, you know, like it was, things were happening. And it's interesting though, that your, your mom was in the military and like that wasn't talked about. That's really fascinating. Yeah. We, we just did, you know, and she was always, you know, she was in the military, but mm-hmm. not really of it. Yeah. Um, she she was in for twenty five years and uh, did some cool stuff. I mean, she got out as a lieutenant colonel. She was the first female teacher at VMI, and which wow. you know everybody hated her. And uh, <laughs> you know she got in there and she's like, okay, you know we're gonna have to like now cause I'm teaching ROTC here that they had their first female students a couple years uh, later or a year later. Um, she's like, you know, so as uh, an institution, you know, we have to. We have to put on this face now. Like we gotta be inclusive. And someone that was working for us was like, "Does that mean we have to remove like the save the males bumper stickers from our car?" Whoa. And she's like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, you do." Immediately. I can't even believe you're asking. Yes, should have never had it on there in the first place. So, oh my gosh, yeah. that's a wild thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk a little bit about. Um, I, we, um, Josh sent us some, we always ask for some information just about like, what's your biggest challenge now that you have a child and, um, you predominantly, in addition to your press, you stay at home with your daughter. Is that, Mm -hmm. that's true. And what does your wife do? She works for, uh, Portland Leather Goods. It's a local company that makes all sorts of cool, like leather bags and wallets and (laughs) journals and things do, sure. do they make leather pants i've been looking they for a, pair not. of leather pants for a long time but they have some great Since sewers 1976 and if you ask them though they use like really thick like full grain leather and that would be horrible to put on i won't do that okay. and just try what is it language but it would be street? worse when you try and take it off oh, yes, absolutely. Be um, but yeah so she's a production manager oh, she kind that's of runs, cool. runs the place Okay. Oh, and I forgot to ask this. So um, we'll get back to your um, your writing practice in a second. But 
um, you're donating, just to plug your anthology, you're donating your proceeds to charity, correct? Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't like to make money off anybody else's writing. Um, we keep a dollar book and we use that to go to uh, our paid cover artists yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah, we're, we're donating the rest. Um, the uh, sending all we, we're sending a copy to every single member of Congress, oh um, and that's a lot. So that mm -hmm. actually, we ran a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. Uh, ran uh, made about ten thousand off of that. Yeah. Um, which paid for the books to be uh, printed and sent to the people who got it on Kickstarter, and then to Congress. We didn't actually end up with much left over. I think it's going to be. I, I mean, it's going to cost me a little bit, but it's totally worth it, you know? <laughs> it's, it's okay. Like, this, is, this is good. Um, you, you have to, like, it's almost like you want to publish those letters if you get any letters back from members oh, of Congress. No, I'm waiting. You know, yeah. apparently they've been actually busy lately uh, with, like, random government shutdowns and oh what have you. So Chaos. they will have been getting the books, like they'd have started to come in right about the time of the, the, the shutdown. So I don't think they're going to have a chance to like look at it right busy. away. Yeah. But it'll happen. They'll get a chance, and they'll, some of them will see it. Yeah. You know? Hey, I, I, I got a friend who knows, I think he lives near Ron Wyden, so if you know, you just want to like <laughs> save on costs. Right. I'm always joking that he's going to come over to like his you know lawn parties he has or something like that. You That'd know? be... Well, I did. I did send Ron his yeah. copy already, okay. um, but I might bring him another. You know, that'd be cool. I and I think Blumenauer goes to my mom's church. He does. I saw him so, in yeah, front. Yeah. So, <laughs> Kurt Schrader's office is uh, right by my house. I didn't even know that. I was just walking the other day. I was like, the office of Kurt Schrader. I was like, oh, well, I don't have to mail that one. <laughs> right, just like, over. I'm just gonna drop it in the box. Be like, hey, I, I live right over there. You know, and uh, here's your copy. If you don't read it, I know where you work. I mean, these people are supposed to be real people. Yeah, right. right? right? They're they, humans. I, he's a direct representative of me in oh, theory, right? Oh, in so, theory. Yes. Oh, my gosh. He's got a responsibility there. <laughs> should at least listen. I love it. And, yeah, you do a lot with Kickstarter. Uh, I, was, I was reading about one of your... Uh, it is so your daughter's middle name is that also the name of a prize you have for your Lorian yes Lorian yeah. and that's interesting because I have a cousin named Lorian hi Lorian hi Lorian uh, we know you're not, listening not the same spelling but uh, yeah interesting so tell us about the the prize and and Kickstarter and all that um, so I guess when we we started the press um, about five years ago we uh, did a Kickstarter campaign for. Um, we made these little handmade books. Yes, yeah, all them online. They're beautiful. They I was fun. like, oh, I love handmade. And uh, it was like three, me and two other poets, and um, each little book had the poems of one poet in it. Yeah. And then they were all put together and tied with twine and cute and whatnot. And then we went on tour with those, and um, and then we each had our own books too. But it was sort of like a tour book yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and. It was really successful, and we realized that we could then afford to print um, our books without going into a hole. Um, and on the next book we did that way, we ended up having quite a bit of extra money, which we could then give directly to the authors, wow. which was really exciting. Mm -hmm. So by the time we did the third book, we were able to give the author 200 of her own books, about $600 on top of it all. <sighs> 
Um, and, you know, we still have copies of her books ourselves to, you know, sell, and I give her all the um, royalties or whatever for it. You're a hero, Josh. You're a hero among small publishers. Like, I just want you to know because, you know, my book just came out and my, my publisher hasn't been able... I mean, you know, he's been around a long time and he hasn't he hasn't made that his model. Let's just well, that way, you know, right? because a lot of publishers model. need to make, right. you know, pay bills to... Right, they have know. to right. take care of themselves and if they're Which, in Brooklyn, then they really have to right. take care of so, so I get it, but, you know, for me, um, our, our model is basically cost plus a dollar. So that's what we're, that's what we're charging. Yeah. So, you know, like the Not My President book um, costs, I think, $2.80 per copy Whoa. Um, to make. We printed 1500 right off the bat. Right. Um, and then we uh, charge. So for every author in there, it's the same as all of our other books. It's the same deal. They can buy it at cost plus a buck. So right. um, it's like three eighty a book for them. And wow. then they can... You know, give them the family. That's they can great. use them at their readings and things like that, or whatever yeah. they want. Um, and as long as we have the books, that's going to be the deal. Um, and then, uh, and then we also try to, you know, keep the cost of the book itself low. Like normally, all of our books are thirteen dollars because the, the usual is fifteen, right? Right. So I was like just going to say thirteen bucks. <laughs> so less. And then, and then with like the anthology, it's. It was a more expensive thing to make and to ship and everything. So that one's fifteen dollars, yeah. um, which is for a four hundred page book. It's pretty great. That's pretty amazing. Um, and but the idea is that you know we're writing because we have something we want to share with people, yeah. and and we want to make that as accessible as possible. Um, if you know there are a lot of other presses that will sell books to um, their authors. You know, and it costs about, I don't know, like 10 bucks or something, you know, so they might be able to make $5 off of it. Or uh, I have a friend who's published with Penguin, and sometimes he can get his books cheaper on Amazon than he can from the publisher. And so that's... Yeah, I right, have right. a friend who publishes with a big publisher too, and it's, you're right, it's insanity. Yeah. yeah, and so what I would love is like if everybody that we published, if they were at a reading, someone's like, all I got is five bucks, and they could say... I can give you a book for $5 and even make a dollar too. Like that makes me really happy. <laughs> and then they're getting their words out there. Right. That's what they want, right? Right. Like, you know, right. 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 You're doing, you're doing great work, but I want to hear a little bit about your, your artistic work. I want to hear a bit. And I love your poetry. And I want to hear a bit about the art farm. John last night. <laughs> yeah, she was, yeah. We sit by the fire. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I'm curious about the art farm and, and your work now too. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, so since I haven't been doing my own thing really since um, April, um, and that was dragging me down a bit, you know. Just, mm -hmm. I mean, yes. it's hard. I actually saw what you what you put, Josh, you, that you sent to us was, and I had the same problem. Just so you know, the sense of like, you know, as a poet, you actually tend to like to be alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you tend to like to have hours of solitude. Right. Before you, like, make work. And, mm -hmm. I, and I joke all the time, like, people are constantly asking me in classes, like, well, how what's your practice? I'm like, well, my practice evolves every three months or so because my yeah. daughter changes and things change and Absolutely. it is crazy. And so what ends up happening is I've already, like, eliminated that notion of, like, oh, I can go take a walk in the woods and then I will have an hour. And this was, I used to do this, like, before I worked a full-time job. And, mm -hmm. But even then I had more mental space than having a kid and, you know, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm most productive in the 
early afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so right about the time I need to go pick up my kid from school. Um, so I normally, I can do admin really right. well in the morning. Right. I can edit really well in the morning. Like mm-hmm. it, I can get into it that way. So I, there's always something that needs to be done that I can be getting done. Right. Um, so I do those things. But actually finding a time to just sit down and really start writing. And especially if I'm going to do... Um, like fiction. I also write fiction. Oh, um, I didn't realize I that. I have some short stories out there, and I've written um, a couple novels, not published. Um, one of them is actually done, and I've started sending it out to agents. And then another one uh, is still in its yellow pad form. It needs to be typed up and <laughs> edited. Hey, but um, you know, that's usually, this is the joke, right? People are always like, oh, aren't you, you got your first novel out, you should be so proud. And they're like, actually, it was my fifth. Yeah, exactly. Because I had to write exactly. four, four before it to even know what I was doing. It takes practice, but it also takes a lot of time. Right. And does. for me, you know, I realized that um, I need to write a really terrible first draft. I need about four weeks mm-hmm. to just sit down and write all day, every day. Yeah. And stay in that space, stay in the story in my head. Oh my gosh. Um, and I've, so I did it once and then I went to Art Farm uh, last year, um, which is this little farm out in Nebraska, surrounded by cornfields um, where people have been going out for a while now and th- these buildings that people stay in. Um, <laughs> God, they, they I, if anyone, I mean, they should be. I'm not gonna say they should be condemned. That's not true, but they're they're not safe buildings, right? But they're beautiful and amazing, and the people who go in there and work on them and build them out and everything, like you know, they're it's. Do you have to sign a release before? I was gonna say you, you have a bunch of like you have a bunch of you should, but you don't. You have a bunch like of composers and like visual artists and people who probably never, maybe never, have picked up a hammer right. or yeah. helping to build these things. Totally, yes. Wow, that's but in, but everybody, it is. <laughs> But everyone is so into it. Yeah, and everybody yeah. loves the guy that runs it. His name's Ed. Everybody loves Ed. And, you know, that's why I probably don't need a release because no one would ever, who's out there. Like, and the thing is, is like, you, people go out there, show up, and leave. People will stay maybe one night and they're out. You know, it happens. They not, just, this ain't my thing. They can't they handle it. Leave. Oh, really? When I first got there, I pulled in and I saw this house. I'm like, I have to be in the wrong place. Like, there's no way anyone could live there. And so I drove <laughs> around to the other side, and I saw this patchwork of a building and this guy walking out in front of it. And I was like, hey, you know, Josh. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, cool. He's like, well, I got you over in the in the farmhouse. I was like, okay, we're, like, where's that? You know, and he's like, he walks me over, and it's the first house I've driven up to. Like, okay, all right, well, I'm here for a month. Let's see what we can do, you know? Um <laughs> But it was great. It's quiet. I saw that they have a thing for parents. Actually, John and I we're, were joking about, about we're it. like we're like, oh, we could bring our daughter, but <laughs> it's like, well, you know, you got the earthquake here, you got like a ceiling falling on your head there. So sure. you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> There's not they don't have a lot of kids that actually end up coming out there with yeah. couples. But they do have, you know, a couple places that are set up for couples. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's an interesting experience. I loved it though. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote a, a novel the first year, and then this year I went back. Um, I have another novel in my brain. It's great. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get it all down. But um, my, my friend Ben from Chicago, uh, he got to come down too. 
and so with him being there and we do a lot of thought crime projects together we work on stuff together yeah um just to have him close by i'm like oh this is such a great opportunity because we also have two double chat books coming out oh, with our press wow. in like the next two months um and then we had to finish up on the anthology and so we're like oh well we could get so much done right now and <laughs> why don't we collaborative write some poems and so that's what we ended up doing instead i kind of put the book aside yeah. and and it felt great like i loved it it was so nice to just write some poems again but so i had a month um, and we got pretty much everything done I needed to get done and wrote another like small book worth of poems that we've been Together. we've been editing we put it up on a Google Doc right and as soon as it's up there like one of us will write a poem we'll throw it up there once it's up there the other person could do whatever they want to mm -hmm. I mean they could delete it if they wanted to you know um, so it's like total trust to the other person to like keep going and bit by bit each poem becomes uh, an amalgamation of the two of us our styles and oh so you combine fun, them versus fun. like oh having dialogue back and forth yeah it's not it's not uh -huh. a dialogue it's a story and the technology just allows it to just happen to melt yeah, and melt. yeah. And we just i love it you know i can't remember who it was that is it john harrison gc uh, waldrop did a project with uh john i'm saying john harrison but i feel like that's the wrong person um where they they exchanged work Mm -hmm. And they're both super prolific poets, but they exchange work for like a year, and then they put it all in the collection, and you have no idea whose is whose. Like it's right. it's like mm. this. You just they don't they didn't label any of the poems, and so this is a similar feeling similar, of like right where you're. Except, yeah, but yes, it is similar. Except also, the additional thing of you know I can take his poem mm -hmm. and kind of make it mine too. Like that's very I, cool. I will change his words. Yeah, you know and. It's really and we fun. trust each other to actually make them better. And, and I think overall, if not 100%, um, we do. I mean, I know how I feel. Like, when I see his edits or the things he's changed or, like, he got rid of all my titles. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's a yep, great, that's great. great to it. have that level of collaborative. Yeah. I mean, I have that with John. I love the letting go. Yeah, yeah the letting, letting go. Letting it be what it yeah. becomes. That's so cool. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, we're just about out of time. Do you want to read something uh, for us? Or? I could do that. Do you want that? I mean, you, to? you know, I have. I don't know. So <laughs> I have. See, this is actually the the the, the book that I was just talking about. Oh, cool. That I've been working on. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I also have the poem that you. That's a great poem. I love it. Head. Yeah. It's um, in your head. Whatever you whatever you feel inspired to do. I just I think it's fun because we, you know. Um, when we had Juniana, our first person on the podcast, like when we asked people to do their studio and like Juniana just made a piece. We were like, okay, I guess she's going to play music. Well, that's what she does. <laughs> All right, there she goes. And so there's a sense of just like, you know, John and I sort of like the, the letting go of like, Hey, if we have a poet on, maybe they were going to read some work, you know, like that's great. Cool. We dig well, it. Um, let's see here. They're, they're weird. Okay, so it's sort of like a, they're ghost stories in a way. Ooh. Uh, because they're the stories of this, this farm, um, an art farm, yeah. which is in a constant state of renewal and dilapidation. Uh, people are only there for like four months out of the year. And then so uh, while everybody's gone, things <laughs> kind of fall apart. <laughs> more. Then, they fall apart more. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I'll, I'll read a couple. And they all kind of go together. Um, so anyway, so this is kind of talking about that and this idea of 
you know, these buildings kind of floating away too. Like there's a ghost to everything, right? Mm. Um, no one remembers when the first building vanished or no one who does is willing to say. The grass has long since covered what scattered skeletons remain, chicken coops, birthing shacks, woodsheds, old rusted out garages filled to the brim with broken glass, the farmhouse, gone. A great migration, one, sometimes two at a time, always over those few months when summer falters into fall. Ed tells us it was only a matter of time after the floating barn finally took flight, leaving behind a shadow on the earth, resistant at first to summer sun, any new growth. It took years for even the most persistent weeds to sprout up. Now the soil is choked by entrails of briar, thorn. Gravity reacts differently on a farm. Even the corn seems to glide through it, opening in defiance to the sky. That's how Ed explains the farmhouse, the exposed cellar, foundations pulled free of their walls, the skeletons of mice still clinging to their exposed nests. He reminds me, we don't talk about time beyond the season. I ask him if he's angry. He says anger is the wrong word. So are sorrow, frustration. We settle on awe, though he says that's not quite right either. We walk towards the field through empty rectangles of concrete and rebar and a barn or two still tethered by sill plates, creaking as they attempt their rise. Ed doesn't say, it won't be long now. That's great. That's wonderful. Thanks. Thank you. That's great. I like the, we won't, it won't be long now. Maybe say that about the... The presidency ending. Oh, <laughs> yes, please. Uh, or the midterm election. Oh, uh, there's that. I'm so excited about those. Like, I'm not counting down the days by actual days, but I'm counting down the days, you know? Um, Thanks so much, Josh, Thank you, for Josh. being with Thank us. Thank you for this having me. Really this fun. It was a great, great. So we're going to have all sorts of good stuff. Up, John, where where are we represented in the uh, weird digital world? Well, thickinthethroathoney.com. Please check out our podcast and our blog. And we're also on Medium, yeah, on our blog. And we're going to do better and better about that. But right now we just have all our wonderful artists that we have on our podcast represented there. We do a little spiel about um, what we did here. And we're also on Instagram. Um, and Facebook. And uh, SoundCloud. Yeah. Which I need to get some new things up there. Yeah, because we are busy parent artists, and as all of you listening know, it's it's a crazy world out there. We're just trying to keep our kids fed and clothed and make a little art as well. Right. Thank <laughs> you, Josh. Thank you. Thank you.